The views and opinions expressed on the following program are those of the persons appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of any of the program's producers or partners. For me, the creative part is associating yourself with people who really have mission, purpose, and a rudder. Bob Dylan, he's a counterculture figure, but he's also done more for brands than many people even know about. Welcome to Tagline. Pour a cocktail and join us for inspired conversations with the best storytellers, culture makers, and creators from our friends at Bullet Frontier Whiskey. I'm still waiting for Windex to call about Come to My Window. Tagline is produced by iHeartRadio in partnership with Advertising Age. Welcome to Tagline. I'm Adam Schlachter, president of global innovation at Publicis Media. And we're coming to you live from South by Southwest 2017. I'm very excited to be here in the iHeartRadio studios in Austin, Texas, with some true creative legends as we dig into the topic of unleashing constellations and creativity through collaboration. Sitting with me, I have singer, songwriter, and activist Melissa Etheridge, an iconic American musician who sold over 13 million albums, won two Grammys, and an Oscar, (laughs) and is considered to be one of rock's most enduring and inspiring artists. And we're so excited to have you with us today. Thank you so much. (laughs) Also with us is Chris Curtin, the Chief Brand and Innovation Marketing Officer for Visa, who oversees the company's strategy to drive the commercialization of digital payment products and platforms. And he also sits on several advisory boards for digital marketing. Welcome, Chris. Thank you for having me. And last but not least, Jared Gustat, a.k.a. Jingle Jared, (laughs) (laughs) as president and chief creative officer of Jingle Punks, has created uh, audio creative for brands such as Meow Mix, Outback Steakhouse, Snapple, and countless others. He's well known for his countless TV soundtrack contributions and over the last year alone has written and produced for acts as diverse as Lil Wayne, Timbaland, g and Brad Paisley. So welcome, Jared. Hello. So this is a great moment to talk about collaboration at South by Southwest. It's just a giant mashup of music, technology, film, and digital, and what's now, what's next. And as we break out of our silos and universes and look beyond to new people and places for inspiration, we want to talk about what that means for each of you in your creative processes and how you find new modes of inspiration, how you partner and collaborate with others, whether in your own field or your own background or genre, or seek out other people with different perspective altogether to help you through your process. Cool. Cool. Nice. Sounds like an idea. Let's do it. Jared, you've been hacking away at jingles. Yep. You did eight yesterday. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Eight, eight, eight hours, right? Yeah, I felt like my brain was falling out of my head halfway through the day. <laughs> we have this amazing partnership with iHeartMedia where we met Gail a few years ago, and she thought we were wacky, creative people, and she was telling me all about the ad business that we're building here. And strangely, in the eight years that Jingle Punks had been in business, we had technically never really written jingles. We were more of like a production music library. The so like me, I called ironic. myself a rock star for a long time. <laughs> yeah. And then I was one. It was crazy. I eventually morphed into Jingle Jared through... <laughs> this partnership and she said they sell this airtime to their clients and they need audio to pair it with and we became this internal audio creative agency for them so yesterday was really kind of a stunt in a way to get clients in the room see what we do pull back the curtain of how music is made and bring them into the process it was pretty cool what qualities do you guys feel make for 
good collaborators and good partners. And Melissa, you guys just cut a new record and you collaborate with a whole bunch of new artists and producers. Well, that I think, yeah, I think most of us are looking for that. It's actually a real personal connection. Like I dig Jared, Jingle Jared guy. I talked to him last night and you just instantly connect with this guy and you want, I imagine Visa over here wants to connect with people because that's what you're all about. So wouldn't you want initially when you meet this person, wow, that connects. So you trust that the art is going to be such or the song or whatever it is that you are giving to your public. When they see it, they feel good. They think of Visa. That's sort of the we're American hiring Melissa. Right? Yeah, <laughs> right on, okay. I didn't realize that this was here. I love this. We got all about it. We were just did a deal. <laughs> Melissa and Visa. Come on. What's the Visa jingle right now? <laughs> uh, go, let's go. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll record it. It'll be yeah. done right here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, how do you guys connect with creators? To Melissa's point, I think that human connection is incredibly important, but as a brand with lots of people touching the business and lots of different agency partners and outside collaborators, how do you guys make that kind of a connection for the work that you're doing? You know, with a lot of creative people, we have Morgan Freeman's The Voice of Visa does all of our ads. We have something called Team Visa, which is Olympians from all over the world not based on their athleticism, that's a given, but instead on their character. So we sponsored the refugee Olympic team for the first time in this past Rio games. There was a young lady from Syria named Yusra Mardini who was on our raft across the Aegean Sea. No mm. one could swim in the raft. She jumps out of the raft because it was capsizing, swam it to shore. A German swim coach found out about this, recruited her to Germany, put her in Adolf Hitler's mm -hmm. personal swimming pool. She trained for the Olympics, qualified for the Olympics, got to the Olympics, we got her on Team Visa for the refugee team. And the purpose for her was to be able to tell the people in Syria that she had actually made it alive. Wow. So we we're like, isn't this a great moment for you? Because you're becoming like a professional in so many respects. And she goes, I'm doing this so that people in Syria know that I actually made it. So for us, part of creativity is what Melissa was saying, which is like a connection, but it's also an inspiration. And we're trying to like make Visa ageless. And I think for brands today, you have to have mission. You have to have purpose, particularly with millennials. Mm. And if you don't, you just look like blank ink <laughs> and selling blank widget. For me, the creative part is associating yourself with people who really have mission, purpose, and a rudder. Their boat is going in a certain direction in life. You could disagree with it, but at least there's purpose. My God, will you run for office or something? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Especially now, nowadays, I love that brands like Visa mm -hmm. are not being pulled by political tide or winds right now to take on some sort of mm, thought that we know we don't have. We had four people from Visa last night and Melissa said this at the end of her Q&A before the performance and all of them, you could just feel them coming out of the chair right. because they were so like, yeah. We we're exactly who we something. were two years ago. Right. And we want to stand for something and we want to stand for a business concept of acceptance. When you leave, we want you to think about, hey, if I have my visa card, it's going to be accepted all over the world. And accepted all over the world. And we want to oh. be accepted all over the world because we want to have a borderless world. And then when you get to a borderless world, then you get into deeper topics. Mm -hmm. And some people cool. are afraid yeah. of that. And yeah. it's great. Yeah. The artists that art can make them not so afraid of right. it. Right. 
And also these brands become like a platform for everything, for positive stuff, mm-hmm. also for creativity and music at a time when it's harder and harder for people in the music business to actually make money and get stuff out to people. Brands ultimately became the platform yeah. for yeah. my music. I got into music. I'm going to age myself. I don't know, up or down, but in the early 2000s, when I was trying to get a record deal, labels just were kind of scared. They were looking for something that's popular now, the second they right. sign it. So there was no incubation or development period. Coming down to South by Southwest and seeing the transformation of how brands have played into the development of artists over the last few years. It's a totally different festival from when I was going down in the early 2000s to now. And everyone could say maybe, oh, it's like a negative thing because brands are involved. But it's a good thing because they actually are without strings attached, cutting the check to put artists on stage and put artists in spots and have creative integrations beyond just having them do a standard jingle or something like that. Like a few years ago, it was so controversial when Lady Gaga came out here and uh, did the Dorito stage. They're like, oh my God. And she sold out, but the label didn't want to pay for her to come out here. And right. she put on the show that she wanted. It was a pretty edgy, crazy show. And I don't think that Doritos had any strings attached with that. That's great. Yeah, but you have to be willing to let go of convention, right? And adapt to what's new and what's yeah. current and how you can sort of progress. Well, it used to be if you were tied to a brand, it was selling out because what artists represented was diversity and this sort of crazy thought that yeah. we're all one and how about that? And the brand was no, no, no. They were prisoner to right. this old way of thought. And it's switched now. Now the brand is like, no, we are of diversity. So it's kind of cool. It's kind of, we're yeah. all in this together now. And it's also kind of reverted back to what music's utility used to be in the radio days where people created music to drive people to buy products. And Tin Pan Alley was music as utility. People right. just creating sheet music for vaudeville. People <laughs> coming up with little jingles. And that's where like some of the greatest writers of all time came out of the Barry Manilow's Carol King came out of uh, Tin Pan Alley, even like in a weird way, Bob Dylan, he's a counterculture figure, but he's also done more for brands in the past throughout his career than many people even know about. It's an important thing to consider that music plays such a critical part in the creative process, whether it's producing commercial material like for the Super Bowl or for the Olympics or whether it's thinking about that theme song or that tagline if you will, for a brand but how do you guys find inspiration through that? Like when you're looking to collaborate with people, like have you heard my Pips potato chip jingle? I love this. I, this is the first uh, little podcast I've ever done that has a bartender <laughs> and, and serving our commercial break bullet right frontier whiskey right here now. Time to take a break with our friends from Bullet Frontier Whiskey. Please drink responsibly. So. What, what do we have here, Floyd? This is the one-two milk punch. The one-two one, two wow. milk punch. Okay. <laughs> and this is an inspired collaboration that was created using Bullet and Guinness Extra Stout. Absolutely. Which, interestingly enough, I was drinking independent of one another last night. So <laughs> I'm glad that this is a collaboration that I wasn't sort of planning on enjoying, but thank you. It's my pleasure. Yeah. It's a riff on an old milk punch. Back okay. in the day, you might have milk or cream with a little bit of a sweetener and either cognac or bourbon. Wow. And so I always like having a milk punch with a shot of espresso. I'm going to so- get Visa before the show's over. Sorry. <laughs> I get a lawyer in here. Yeah. This is great. <laughs> and so the bitterness of, uh, of the Guinness really plays well with the bourbon. And I like it. This is absolutely phenomenal. Thank mm-hmm. you. And you're down here at South by this week, and I imagine it's pretty busy. Have you met Jared? 
Yeah. He's, he's speed jingles. Speed We're jingles. Play. I love the different uh, competition. I can't wait. I can't wait. That's absolutely fantastic. I imagine you meeting with tons of creative people down here. Absolutely. And interacting with them and helping them with. Uh, finding some inspiration. The biggest and most fun thing that we're doing is we do all of the cocktails, all of the alcohol for Willie Nelson's luck reunion. And wow. so he brings in a lot of the old school, Ray Wiley Hubbard, Billy Joe Shaver, and they have theirs. And they also bring in the new school, Langhorn Slim, Margot Price, Lily May, a lot of really fantastic mm. artists. So you get these really interesting collaborations with the old school, the new school, the up and comers. It's a lot of fun. That's awesome. Can you tell us a bit about the Barman's Fund? Sure. The Barman's Fund is a nonprofit my friends and I founded years ago in New York City. Before I had my company sourced, I was just a bartender. And it could be a very self-centered life, partying, and it's booze, it's late nights, it's money in and money out. And we decided, six of us, that we would do one shift, pool all the money and do a project with a local soup kitchen. We kept doing it. One night a month, everybody would work a shift. We'd pool all the money, women's shelter, DV shelter, soup kitchen, the Brooklyn Free Clinic. Wow. Uh, at one point we had 26 bartenders in three boroughs. Mm, so we had awful. five, six grand in liquid dough a month that we could go to a shelter, nine bed maternity shelter in Brooklyn. What do you need? We need cribs. Mm. Well, cribs are expensive. I didn't know that. <laughs> and, but we could go in and buy brand new cribs for this wow. entire shelter. We've probably raised and donated over 300 grand. That's amazing. That's amazing. Awesome. awesome. Wow. Congratulations. Thank yeah, you. Seriously. Very much. That's fantastic. And so many people in those cities can draw inspiration from everything you guys are doing. Hopefully. And hopefully pass that on and, and well, continue the trend. Absolutely. Our guests come in and they want to know what we did last month. What we do? Because the money they put on the bar is going directly to a charity and they know that. And it's a way, if they don't know how to be involved, it's a way they can get involved. And they learn a lot about the charities we donate to. Floyd, thank you. Cheers. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Make good friends on the new frontier. Symbol at the spirits here. Write the story, have no fear. All the borders disappear. And we go. Making friends on the new frontier. Bullet Frontier Whiskey. Please drink responsibly. I'd love to ask you guys how you found that sort of inspiration to collaborate with other brands or causes that are important to you and what that process has been like. The last time we did something with iHeart, I saw on the sheet that they wanted ACLU to be part of our last Jingle Day thing that we were doing. And I was like, hell yeah. And I was more excited about that mm. one. And that was a freebie for the brand than anything else. And it actually started as we're going to do a quick jingle for them to hopefully something that maybe. We could maybe talk we, about We, as in you and me. Uh, yeah. yes. Man, I am so glad to be here. I'm yeah. meeting Visa. I'm meeting Jingle Jared. We're having a, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, ACLU, that's exciting. And I get what you mean because yeah. we write and, okay, we know this is going to be fun. We hope it gets stuck in people's minds mm -hmm. just for a minute and you become a part of their world. But if I can become a part of their world through something that touches their heart and maybe it has them stop and think and helps them be a positive force in the world. If I can be a little part of that, wow, that's, Telling that's beyond money. Too. That's be, yeah, that's beyond everything. You know, I've certainly done very well in the music business. I'm very happy about that. I've been blessed still to this day. If someone comes up and says, oh, I didn't kill myself when I was a teenager because I knew you were out or I saw you on the Grammys bald and it helped me with cancer. That means 
more than anything. Mm. That's the stuff that mm -hmm. goes in and stays in. And I'm very grateful for that. This thing with ACLU, when we just did the jingle, I said, that's not enough. And then two weeks later, after the dust settled on us making the radio creative, I said, we have to do something bigger. We should create like a full single bring a bunch of artists into this thing, make a great song first and foremost so that people actually care. Tell that story. Maybe ACLU is not everybody's thing. I mean, right. you know, some people like aren't into civil liberties, yeah. you know, but I mean, for me, that's kind of an important <laughs> thing at this moment in time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, having an organization like that, that's really putting their money yeah. in their yeah. Chris, how have you pushed yourself inside Visa and the work that you've done to go beyond the, yeah. the Olympics story was, yeah. was one great example. Oh gosh, what, yes. what else? Right now we're sponsoring a group called Girl Starter, younger women. And we're talking like ages like 14 to 21. They have a business idea or an idea to start something. They want a TV show, which is a little bit Shark Tank meets Apprentice meets American Idol. So it's like something in that mix. And they're like, we need help get this off the ground, but we don't have a network that will take it. So what we really need is an advertiser or a brand out there that would say, if that show were on the air, we would support it. So we told them, Go. We went with them to Discovery and to TLC and it's going to air now this spring. Just really remarkable younger people who have a sense of self and a vision and a stick to itness that appeal to us. There's also stuff in the Why Didn't I Think of This Earlier camp in Africa where... We do exactly what Visa does every single day in mobile payments. Everyone knows mobile phones in Africa are leapfrogged laptops and PCs and everything. And so we went to Africa and we said we effectively found any number of use cases where mobile payments could occur. And we found one mother who worked two jobs and then she would get on a bus for two hours to go pay someone. We were like, wait a minute, you work two jobs, then you leave your house to get on a bus to go pay the person. They're like, well, if we don't go pay the person, then we get charged extra. There's interest. And we're like, we can come up with a mobile payment solution so you never have to leave your house. Mm. I mean, it's completely what we do and we should have done it earlier and we should have been there before that. And, you know, we're not going to have an earnings correction with sure. Visa on this, but just to look at her face and realize she didn't have to get on that bus for two hours after two jobs, that's worth it. That's unreal. Yeah. And so people talk about mobile payments and Apple Pay and all the rest. Like, honestly, go to places like Africa mm -hmm. or go to the developing world and see the difference it will make in someone's life. And right. imagine yourself having to work two shifts and then get on a bus to pay someone, not even to get something to pay them. That's incredibly inspirational because making that difference, on the one hand, it's a risk, right? Will you be successful and trying to make that difference for that person, improve their life or inspire them or make them feel more comfortable in their own skin or give them that push they need to sort of be great. I wish this was on television <laughs> because the old idea of who's the guys running Visa, those old days of all about money and that's it. You don't want to live like that. I mean, you're a very nice guy. You look like a nice guy. <laughs> and you look like you have a wife and maybe a few kids. And, uh, I've been criticized on my apparel. No, and my, I, I'm still not wearing too much. I, logo. I do the little Visa <laughs> stuff. I'm aware that you're the Visa guy. So, <laughs> so, I've been criticized. Yes, yes, you're Chris. I'm not fashion forward. No, you're a real guy. And I imagine you don't want to go to bed thinking, wow, I made a lot of money tonight, period. You love that story about yeah, your I Olympic. Love it. I want to get back to the Hitler's swimming pool. We shot the spot. Still? Yeah, it, it does. And we shot the spot in that pool. And we told her wow. about it and the significance about her competing and then ultimately 
getting into the Olympics in his swimming pool. And the one that he built for his, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the well, I mean, right um, now I get it. I thought we were at his house at his swimming pool. No, 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 <laughs> it's a little no, strange no. in my head. Okay. No, it was in Berlin. But yeah, and yeah. He had, he had, you know, I don't know he whether it was for, that for big him Berlin. and his group or whatever, yeah. but it was the pool that he utilized. You know, I was driving over here and I was thinking about creativity and I was thinking, what ultimately helps people become creative? And I actually do think it is about mortality. At the end of the day, the sooner any of us realize that the clock ticks down, not up. And the sooner that you realize that you have to make an impact in your own way, modest, personal, with your family, whatever, at your level, just in any way, that's when creativity kicks in because that's when you question status quo. That's when you question, well, it's always been done that way. Uh Does it always have to be done that way? You don't have to be radical, but you just independent thinking. Sometimes that's radical. Disruptive is the the word literally that was used most to describe me when I was in school getting sent to the office every day. (laughs) And that was a bad thing. And they tell you it's bad. My mom would come to this Leo Beck Hebrew day school every morning and like, and drop me off. And in the afternoon I'd be sitting in the principal's office. She's like, why are you down here again? But in your career and in your life later on, that disruptive childlike idea of that the world doesn't have to fit into all these different categories is ultimately what was used to describe my company the most when we started because we were basically trying to put music in TV shows and everyone said, you can't do it like that. I had one view on it because my day job, I was a TV editor during the day and I was trying to make it in bands at night. And I realized that the person who had the most control over what music ended up in content was the last person on the assembly line, the editor. So I was like, I'll just put my music in there. No one will notice. MTV was really pissed when I put all my music in a (laughs) wonderful show called Engaged and Underage. But I quickly figured out about contracts and legal business affairs and Viacom. They were like, you can't just do that. But like, but they were really nice to me. They're like, if you want to do this, here's how you properly go about it. And that was the beginning of how Jingle Punks really started. It was disruption. And along the way, all these music supervisors were like, you can't do that. You can't bypass this, this. And I was like, I don't know any other way. I certainly I made, a, I made a career on my brand of doing things that people thought weren't, uh, <laughs> you know, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't no. come out. You, you should ask, and, you ask mm-hmm. for forgiveness. You don't ask for permission, right? Be, yeah. Just being truthful became, you know, an act of defiance and just being myself. I remember one of the first things when I was diagnosed with cancer, my business people around me were like, do you want people to know you have cancer? It might seem weak. And I was like, me? Yes, of course. Yeah. I want people to know this is real. This is true. Yeah. Actually, recently yeah. at the Grammys, I was there last, last month, month yeah. and they always show clips of performances past during the commercial break, but your badass yes. performance <laughs> That's right. of the Janis Joplin song. Wow. I was yeah. sitting there with my wife That's and she it. was like, oh my God. She's yeah. like, I have chills. The no. whole thing watching it because they play time. back the greatest moments. It was unreal. That was a crazy time. And I got asked to pay tribute to Janice. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be bald. Well, I'm going to be bald. Okay, yeah, yeah, might as well just go out there. And yes, indeed, I'm bald. (laughs) And that was 12 years ago. Wow. And to this day, people still come up to me. Oh, my mom, she blew off her wig after that. Just the things that happened. I had a nurse come up and say, oh my God, everybody was walking around bald after that. It was crazy. (laughs) Were you inspired through that process to create differently? Oh, it changed my life. Absolutely. Everything, right? Things, as a creative person, especially as a songwriter, Mm -hmm. I'm not sitting around in my bedroom writing brokenhearted songs anymore because I'm happily married with children. Life is very different. Life changes you. Children change you. Children and cancer are probably two things that change my writing the most. And I find I can still write passionately inside from what moves me, the desires I have, the pains, the hopes, the fears. And that's what we write from. Thinking about where we are in the backdrop of the collaboration that goes on South by. And if you spend any time in Austin, just the collaboration that happens in this town between creators and technologists, 
musicians, chefs, just everyday people that are absorbing it. What have you guys seen and heard spending some time down here this week that you're inspired by? Like what's the most innovative thing you've seen or heard? And it could be bullshit. It could be something that you think is real and going to make a difference today or something that just opens up your mind to the possibilities. And Chris, you mentioned all the ways that you guys are trying to find moments to improve people's lives, right? Or for your products to actually make an impact, not just make money, Mm -hmm. but to make a difference. What sort of things have you seen down here that you're drawing some inspiration from? We had someone on our team do analysis of the Jetsons. Are are we familiar with this show? (laughs) The Jetsons? Me, George Jetson. There you go, another classic theme song. Okay. Okay. About 80 to 90% of what was in the Jetsons actually exists today. (gasps) That's awesome. And one glaring exception is the car that can fly. And, and fold into a briefcase. And fold in the briefcase. Now <laughs> so I'm waiting for that. They had a smart home. They lived in a smart right. home. They lived in a smart home. Yeah. The car that can fly, Elon Musk has actually put in a patent. Of course. To be able to look at early designs and prototypes for doing that with Tesla. You would watch that and be like, dude, that's not going to ever happen. Uh, as much progress has been made that you know you can pick apart that show and show actual things in society today that can do that. I think it's remarkable. The one thing I'll say about Elon Musk is he is a disruptor too. Yeah. Large companies aren't going to be the people who do this. It's not going to be Ford or Chevy. It's going to be someone who has A, the great idea and B, the ability to do this stuff. And he said, there's no incentive for some of these big companies to really want to get rid of cars that use oil and gas and stuff. Like, it's all possible when you actually want to solve the problem. Yeah. Didn't Amazon just deliver its first drone delivery yeah. thing? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's futuristic. Crazy. Absolutely. That's a huge topic of today's conversation in Washington and beyond is robotics. Amazon is not just doing robotics and delivery. They're doing robotics and manufacture and mm-hmm. and assembly line and distribution, which is interesting. I went to a presentation that Elon gave and someone said to him, Elon, you know, why are you building all these expensive recharging stations across the United States? And so he said, well, actually, if I don't do that, I'll never know how to build the recharging stations I'm going to need to get to Mars. Right. Oh, wow. And, and We're going to Mars. When you think about all that, we're not there yet, Mm -hmm. but the opportunity to collaborate with technology today is so vast, right? When you guys think about collaboration, what's a good example of it? What's a bad example of it? The best and worst example is the splitting of the atom. You know, things get solved (laughs) and invented when there's a time and pressure. That film, Fat Man and Little Boy. In that one moment, the evolution of like our thinking went from like we were around for hundreds of thousands, millions of years and just like invented electricity. And then all of a sudden we get to nuclear and then nothing's really evolved that much since then. You opened up Pandora's box there, but that is a great example of some of the smartest people in the world coming together to solve a problem. And you'll probably in our lifetime never solve a problem like that collectively with great thinkers ever again, like in that moment. Artist collaboration, like you mentioned before, like it used to be like the artist is selling out, Mm -hmm. collaborating with the brand and There's probably tons of examples of that. How do you avoid that? How do you avoid bad collaboration? It's on both parts. I'm still waiting for Windex to call about come to my window. But, you know, <laughs> so, we can make that happen. Don't, come on, don't say I'm that out loud you. once you want that to come happen. On. <laughs> it's perfect. Or Microsoft, but they never call you. So, you know, I mean, it's right there. I actually haven't been branded. I, if that's what you call it, I don't know. I've never been connected to a brand. And I always thought 
Um, I'm pretty much outside the brand scope because of the gay. I don't fit into every household. Yet, as time goes by, I become more more and more normal. (laughs) Really, I'm looking like you know the girl next door. So I imagine there will come a brand. These is a great brand. No, I just well once we saw your reaction to the guitar, I was like, we've got we've got a deal here. I got a guitar for free yesterday, but that's a whole other podcast. Your reaction was so genuine and incredible. Was well, yeah. an awesome guitar. Yeah, I mean, it was so sweet think, though the way you reacted Aww. to it. Seriously, I mean, the stereotype would be you don't need another guitar, oh, but you look right. like a little kid opening up a box yes. at Christmas. It was like, oh my god. <laughs> well, it's it's sweet because if I were to do a Windex commercial, come to my window, mm-hmm. I would get a couple boxes of Windex. <laughs> right, you know, it's great. That's fine. This had nothing to do with Gibson. I was doing it in right. the place. It wasn't required that they give. I was truly moved. That's not a cheap. What they give you? J two hundred. J two hundred. Oh my god. I know. I was, the Those wife understood last night. I had it in, and never mind. So, one last question. Who is your dream collaborator? Oh, my gosh. Well, I actually got to work with my dream collaborator. I got to uh, collaborate with him. I sang with him, which is, in a way, a collaboration on my 1994 Unplugged, and it was Bruce Springsteen. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those moments you're like, let let life just. I would love to write with him sometime. I haven't collaborated with many folks on the writing. Jared and I were going to collaborate. We're going to do hundred so. percent. Uh, Sometimes 100%. you meet someone you know is for a reason. Yeah, yeah. it was a great first hang, and this is the, wait till you see <laughs> our ACL. These things said. happen. Yeah. For me, my dream collaborator, I named almost all of my kids after Beatles or Wilbury. Oh. So it's a Beatle. If I could, you know, obviously Paul would be unreal, but hey, maybe he'll work with me on my song Poop on the Potty for Poop the Musical that I'm putting together for Huggies. <laughs> I want to put on the first ever branded Broadway play. I'm a little jealous of your life. A little bit. It's, it's as little. dumb as it sounds. Trust ah, me. It's awesome. It's fantastic. What's your tagline? My tagline? Jingle all the way. Oh, it's brilliant. <laughs> that just wrote itself. That uh, perfect. Mine has been, always will be, speak true. Speak true. I love it. Be strong, speak true. Melissa, Jared, thank Chris, you so much. thank you guys so much. Thank you, iHeart. Thank you, Bullet. Uh, thank you, South by Southwest. Right on. Uh, this, is, this has been a blast, and uh, we hope you guys all enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed creating, and we'll see you soon. You've been listening to Tagline, presented by our friends at Bullet Frontier Whiskey at the Bullet Distilling Company, Louisville, Kentucky. Please drink responsibly. We want to hear what you thought. Join the discussion on Twitter now by using the hashtag Tagline. On the next episode of Tagline, iHeartMedia CMO Gail Troberman hosts a discussion about what inspires creativity. Featuring film producer Dan Lin, Deutsch North America lead Mike Sheldon, and designer Michael Beneville. Catch all our episodes at iHeartRadio slash tagline in the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Audiation.